Good evening. I am Queen Love, the self-love guru, and I coach newly health-conscious women to find self-love. Together, we will remove the F in fear, and I'll be the ear who intuitively listens and empowers you to destroy perceived limits so you can live your best life. All right, peace and love. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Hanging Out with Love. Today, we're going to be discussing the prison system. We're going to be discussing young black men and institutionalization. And today, I have my boy Aunt Live with me, and we're also sitting here with Bishop. How are you guys? Wonderful. Phone's great. Y'all good? Wonderful night. Good. So we're going to jump right into it and just have a conversation. So I'll go ahead and start with some of the basic statistics that I've seen so far. Um, One of the things that I'm really concerned about is the preservation of the black family. And right now, 70% of black households are female headed, which means that the man either isn't in the house because there was like a divorce um most of them because of mass incarceration you guys are like highly a highly targeted group black male masculinity is basically a threat to white supremacy and so seeing you strong seeing you in your element y'all making money starting businesses um doing your thing they don't want to see that they don't want to see you thriving they want to see you weak they want you on drugs And so basically, the men's empowerment conference that I'm having is going to be to empower men. Um, Regardless of what system you're in, you still do have a choice. You get what I'm saying? So you have to make a conscious choice. And either, even though it's going to be very hard because you have so many systems against you, we have to build up your mental muscles so that you can keep going. So tell me um, your first experience with the prison system or with jail. How old were you? Um... This was back in 2013 when I had caught my first felonies, which was two counts of robbery with dangerous weapon, one count of uh, assault with deadly weapon, and then another count of um, robbery, no conspiracy to commit on robbery. That was my first felony offenses, which was April, well, it was June 9th, which was two months after my 16th birthday. So. I moved here with my mother and all to North Carolina, mm-hmm. and I know new, I know nobody, nobody. So let's just put it as if my mother was a single, you know, trying to trying to make income for the house, and um, it started off us moving down here, and her not being able to afford me and my brother going to like events or you know simple things like the boys and girls club so we was always locked up in the house and being young i had a lot of energy i wanted to go out and hang out with people so i ended up getting caught with the wrong crowd and i crashed long story short ended up robbing somebody and there goes my first bid and did about two and a half years which is pretty harsh you know not being locked up at all so that's pretty harsh that Mm. How did you feel at that time, like, when you were actually going through the process of going to court and dealing with the lawyers? Like, were you scared? Um, to be honest, I wasn't scared until the first four or five months. Um, the first day in there, I figured, 
you know, this ain't shit. I'm going to go home in, a, you know, a couple of hours. Them hours turned into, like, it turned into days. And then it turned into the months until it finally hit me. Like, what the fuck am I doing here, you know? Like, what the fuck is going on? I didn't know what the hell just happened, like, two months later after it just kicked into me. Like, I'm still here. I used to wake up every morning eating breakfast, you know, and just thinking, like, damn, like, I'm really locked up, you know what I mean? And from there, I didn't know when I was getting home. My bond was set to, like, 75000 and, you know, my people wasn't able to afford getting me out of prison, you know, well, jail. So I, I was just stuck in there for months and months and months on end without knowing when I was going to go home, not knowing what the hell I was going to do. I, I didn't know anything. Lawyers first come to me and they're telling me all this bullshit and they telling me, oh, we got to get you home soon. Don't worry about it. Just sitting here, sitting here. That's all I kept hearing was sitting here, sitting here until the sixth month came and he finally let me know how much time I was facing, which was he told me I was possibly, a, you know, I guess lawyers want to tell you the max, so they get you a minimum if it's good on them. So he told me I'm facing 10 years, you know? Wow. And from there, you know, I just, that's when I'm like, oh, shit, like, my life is over, you know? I was sitting up in there with other people, various of ages, and they all telling me this, telling me that, you know. About how your experience would be? Pretty much, I mean, how long I was going to be doing, you know? And basically to suck it up that this this is the life of, you know what I mean, being in prison or being in jail. Mm. Wow. And what about you, Bishop? How old were you when you had your first encounter with police or with the justice system as a whole? When I first got my first encounter with the police, I'd probably say I was about 15, 16. But I was like, I was on the pity shit at first. I was in high school, you feel me? I didn't go to jail in high school. It's like after I graduated in 2013, they put me on probation for a little drinking charge, you feel me? And then that probation turned in for like certain 54 days. I got out, but see, I was doing weekends on that. And then like, as I did my 54 days, I got out, I was up like three years straight. Still running into the police, but not going to jail, you feel me? And it was like, I got into this one group of people. This was back in like 2017. Got into this one group of people. It was like three days after my mom's birthday. We used to fly back and forth to California, you know, get weed for free or whatever. Come back and sell it. So, you know, long story short, we let it. I let somebody hold some some work. He didn't play me. The situation got heated. People ended up getting shot. I ended up going to jail. They turned out it wasn't me, you feel me? Like they hit me with a lesser charge, but I was sitting there for nine months. I mean, sitting in there, it changes you because you, you don't know what to expect. Yeah, like he said, you hear people telling you different things. Like, yeah, I call them jailhouse lawyers because people that's in jail, they want to be lawyers and stuff, you feel me? Mm-hmm. But like when you go to jail, everybody telling you, oh, nah, you don't get probation, nah, you don't get a year. This your first offense, nah, this your first one, nah, like. So that's all I was hearing. So I'm thinking I'm good, you feel me? Like you said, the longest I did was nine months, you feel me? I've never been to prison. But when I got down there, my bond was 500000 So I'm like, all right, 
There's 500 bands. I know I'm gonna get out of here. You feel me? Cause I ain't never said no longer. Like when they get my bond, I ain't never said no longer than like 30 minutes to like three hours. You feel me? So it's like I'm calling my mom and sister. Probably gonna wanna let her know what's up. My daddy come and see him about two o'clock. He let me know me down there for a while. Cause they don't have the money. So I mean, being there's a survival thing. I mean, it's a mind thing. It make you go crazy and also help you find yourself. But at the same time, you, it's dangerous. Because like, like you say, you learn things from people that you don't need to know. Mm. And see like me, I have a habit of learning things I don't need to know. But like I said, it's dangerous because I mean, you learn so much stuff. And is that information warranted? Like, is this stuff that you asked for or people just decide to share it with you? Both. I'm be real. Like, when people have me, see, I have, like, two different personnel, three. I have a bro, bishop, and I have God. God is a fucking savage, okay? God will goddamn burn your house down and sit down and eat an ice cream cone while that shit is burning the fuck down. Singing, this little light is mine. You feel me? So it's like when I was in jail, I was guided. But it's like, I was learning information on stuff that I don't need to know. Like, it was, I don't know, it's like, it's stuff that I wanted to know. You feel me? It's like, it's, it's stuff that I wanted to know that I always been searching for. So it's like, it's like, when you learn something in there, I don't know how to put it. Let's just say, like, when you learn something that you just feel overpowered, like, you feel like a like a king and you know something that other people don't know you feel me that can mm -hmm. help you get ahead of some people like in there people try to get over you over on you you feel me mm -hmm. so it's like ways to like ways to beat it out of them and not physically like beat it out of them you feel me like when people try to cheat you and shit over you like step over you and shit like that so I mean my mindset now it's like I don't really fuck with a lot of people like once you cross me you cross me it's like there's no going back. Like, if you lie to me, betray me, or be disloyal, you getting cut off, or you getting touched. I'd rather cut you off, but I will touch you if I have to. Right, right, right. You know what? I think um, the conversation that I have a lot of times with people who are working in the prison system, because my field is social work, so because I'm getting my master's, there's people there who are like fresh out of undergrad that are like 19, 20. And then there's older people in there that are like 30, 40, you know, and then they have kids, you know, and families. And a lot of people that work in the prison system always talk about how you can have a conversation with somebody and you just talking. You get what I'm saying? And then the next thing you know, they looping you into some shit and you like, whoa, how did the conversation get here? So it was just like the the manipulation. I think that from from the perspective and correct me if I'm wrong from the perspective that you guys are coming from it's like you young you're in there with other people that you deem as wiser than you because they're older and because they have a lot of knowledge so they're pouring into you but it's not necessarily the right thing and so when they're looking at it from a perspective of working in the prison system they like listen it's people out here that will manipulate you and give you information that you don't need but from where I'm sitting it seems like they wanted you to be there and hear what they had to say so you could get caught up in that cycle because that's what they went through. And sometimes people don't want to tell you like, 
of which there are people in prison that do this, but they don't want to tell you like, nah, turn your life around. Like you don't want this shit. I've been here since I was X, X years old. And like, this shit is not for you and really try to give you knowledge to better yourself. Some people would rather see you fucked up and see you continue that same cycle so that you can be in there like they are. Cause some of them people not getting out. You're right. And so the thing is, it depends on who you like. It depends on who you encounter. It depends on who you. Oh. You're right. I mean, it just depends on who you talking to. Like when you first get in there, you feel me? It depends on like. Like I said, who you encounter, I mean, it's different groups. Like, when you get in there, like, yeah, it's gang pods and shit like that. There's also regular population, you feel me? Like, yeah, and regular population is gangs, too, you feel me? And everybody know which gang is which, you feel me? So, like, you might go in there, might be some Crips over here, some Bloods over here, some GDs over here. You feel me? Some, like, some Black Gorilla family over here, you feel me? But then again, you also do have the people who, who state themselves, like the church people. People don't do they don't do nothing but play chess. You feel me? So when you go in there, like what you looking for is what you gonna get. You feel me? So if you go in there trying to play all hard and play tough, yeah, you gonna run into a whole bunch of gang members and people that play tough. You feel me? And that's who you gonna attract and that's who you gonna sit down with and ask for that. That's who you gonna build with and learn all that bullshit that you need to learn from. You feel me? So it just depends on how you go in there, how you carry yourself. If you go in there acting like the biggest gangster, you gonna attract gangsters. You feel me? But if you gonna keep your mouth shut. You, you feel me? Show very little of anything to anybody. Ain't nobody really gonna fuck with you. I mean, I done seen that shit happen multiple times. I done seen people like be in a room with somebody. Don't talk to their roommate, period. You feel me? Roommates, my man, my roommate boring. He don't talk to nobody. He don't do this in the third. Like, so, I mean, it was just, man, it just depends on who you attract. That's interesting. What it what has been your perception on like the guards, the people who are there, like that are supposed to be protecting you or whatever? My feedback on that is very. They, I feel like they just do their job because of the money. At the end of the day, I felt like they didn't care about the certain individuals in there, especially in prison. I was in prison and I encountered many guards who, for an example, would come in there on a very bad day and would just make. And inmates day bad for an example i was it, it was a day i was coming up from a child call and this this officer he was white and at the time the prison i was in i was in the, the hillbilly the mountains you know where all the seals you know usually they hire people who's in you know the surrounding or you know the surrounding area who's close by shelter work right so being that i was in you know crackerville racist seals would come in there and just fuck with with us black males you know what i mean i was in there and just Doing my regular thing, I ain't line up fast enough for him. He got mad and wanted to shit talk me. And I have too much pride to bow down to some 60-year-old whitehead, you feel me? Think he talked me out of the fuck he want to talk to me, you know what I mean? End of the day, I ended up getting sent to SAG because he wanted to show his superiority. What's the word I'm looking for? He, he wanted to... Show his dominion over you. Authority. He, he, he wanted to abuse that. Mm-hmm. The, the let the, the let let me know that he he's boss. You he feel me? Trying to show, he trying to make an example. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you, I got sent to say I had to do two months to say. You know what I mean? Over over him having a bad day at work or waking up in a bad day. You know what I mean? And I'm like, it, it was crazy. And I, I witnessed and say Seg is a whole nother inner prison where you literally. 
is you're doing a cell for at least 23 hours a day. And I had to be in there for six, seven months. What? And when you in SAG, like, that is the worst experience. You know, you can't come out your room, can't make no phone calls. And you in there every fucking day thinking, 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 stressing, stressing. Fucking people, you seeing people going crazy. People have life in prison and would do some dumb shit like stab somebody and be sent to SAG for like three, four years in a fucking room. Like all they doing is just going crazy. I've seen wow. guys fucking whole mindset just flip. Like sitting there shitting all over the fucking walls. Fucking just doing crazy shit in there. You know what I mean? It's because they losing their fucking mind in there. You feel me? Mm-hmm. Instead of helping an individual, that's what prison is supposed to be about. Well, well, that's what we think. That's what they say, right? So prison ain't nothing but a concentration camp. You feel me? Prison ain't really supposed to help nobody. Let me keep the highway shit. Yeah, that's what they preach. But at the end of the day, prison is not helping nobody. It's hurting us. You feel me? Because I'm keeping high. You get locked up in prison. You go for five, six years. You come home. You don't know how to act. Because one, you feel out of place in society. Two, so much shit has changed. And three, you ain't had no push and God knows when. So every time you see a girl, you dig your heart in the motherfucking rock. You already got down. Fuck the brace off this thing. You feel me? Especially COs. COs be walking up and down the blocks. You see everybody at the goddamn cell. Oh, goddamn. But see, like, but like you said you were sent to the hole i was sent to two for a month and a half you feel me but i was sent there because you know like i said i'm fucking retarded so it's like when i went to jail like i snapped like i said i was being guided and then i was fighting everybody like i fought i told him i said i'm gonna do good having roommates because um I don't trust people. I have a, I have a problem. You feel me? So it's like people be like, they were like, okay, well, cool. They put me in the room with somebody. I was in the room five minutes and beat his ass. Got sent straight to the hole. And when I was in the hole, police know you can't get up, so they do talk shit. You feel me? Like they come in there, call you all types of names. Well, they never call me no nigga. Now you feel me? But like, they are disrespectful. You feel me? Mm-hmm. Like yeah. You can get, like, in the hole I was at, you can get a call. You can make a phone call once a week, you feel me? You come out once a day, you feel me? But it's only for an hour. You locked down for 23 hours. So it's like, that shit do make your mind change. But see, my mind is dead already, so I already, I really wasn't thinking in there. Like, when I was locked up in SIG, all I did was sleep, push-ups, and... This is radio. <laughs> no, we don't have a radio. You feel me? Like I don't like. Like I said, my mind was dead. I just sit there and look at the light, draw on the wall, flood my toilet. You feel me? Throw piss out the trace light. They started locking my trace light. You feel me? So it's like they are disrespectful. But see, I did that because they were disrespectful to me, so I couldn't get to them. So made them clean it up. I mean, mm-hmm. shit. Y'all gonna do something? You gonna talk shit? You gonna have to clean some piss up? My toilet stopped up something, you feel me? So, like, they make my time hard, I make their job hard. Like, and like I said, everybody, treat me how you want to be treated. If you treat me wrong, I guarantee you, I treat you wrong ten times worse. Because I will have the last laugh. I will have it. I will have the last laugh. I don't care what I got to do to get it. Mm, that's the interesting mentality, though, because when you think about the position that they put you in there, where they are antagonizing you, they're doing it to break you down. And so the the common misconception, especially with masculinity, you think that you do have to have the last word or the last say or whatever, but 
the people that's really like beating them at their own game or the motherfuckers that don't say nothing. You get what I'm saying? Like when you really have that self mastery, but because we young, like, and I trust me, I get it. Cause even with myself, I'm always like, okay, this individual is pissing me off. When I was 16, 17, I would knock you the fuck out. And I'm going to watch you pick your teeth up and laugh at you. You get what I'm saying? But me, it's like, I'm out here. You get what I'm saying? But hearing young men talk about what it's like in there, they like, you can't just let that shit slide. You get what I'm saying? Because if you do, niggas going to label you. Now you a bitch. So now everybody trying to fuck with you. So, like, how did that sort of, I guess, shape your reality when it comes to handling conflict out here? Did you mimic what you witnessed in there, or do you feel like you can handle situations differently? What I've learned in prison, I've definitely I've found myself. I guess it's because of start, the starters. I was still young when I went in there, so I had no choice but to be an individual that was way older than me. So when I was in there, I was still in my young mentality, acting foolish, being a kid. Mm-hmm. And I realized, well, I didn't realize at the time yet, that older guys thought, you know, He's young. Let me try to take his milk or, you know, let me let me try to, you know, because I'm young. It took a couple of months to uh, people started trying me and letting shit slide to an older head to come confront me. Let me know, like, that kid shit, you, you got to leave that shit out the door. You, you with the big boys now, you feel me? You got to start, you know what I mean? You got to toughen up, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And once he told me that shit, next person that tried me, I was just like, you know what I mean? It's, it's time for me to, you know what I'm saying? Start putting people in their place. Don't give a, I need to have the mentality to not give a fuck about seals want to put me in say or not. Because either way, if I let these people slide, the inmates, it's going to make my time hard. But if I don't do anything, it, it's going to be harder either way. So mm-hmm. it's like forces me to get more time. And that makes sense. That's why people go in prison and say they'll get out this time, end up getting out. Two years or a year later, you feel me? It's because they, they had to. Your time. They they have to do something in there. You can't just let people. You know, the the way to get out of prison faster is not getting any trouble. But how can you do that when people is always fucking with you and you gotta display some type of character to stop people from fucking with you? Mm. Is the best way to explain it. You know what I mean? If you don't do that, your time is not gonna be smooth either way. So it's best to have a good mentality while going in there, or at least. Put up some type of mentality in there. Mm-hmm. But I've witnessed a lot of crazy shit in there. Back like I was saying in SAG, like, it made me cry watching other people lose their mind in there. I guess it was just a mental thing. Like, right. from understanding that this guy been in here three years and he definitely lost his fucking head. Being in the fucking room 24-7, not able to do anything. He lost his fucking head and it was just, like, really emotional. Seeing him shit on the walls doing this doing that how were you able to witness that from where you were you see where i was at i was in the corner of a cell which my angle was in an angle where i was able to see physically not in his in his cell but the outside of his cell Mm -hmm. it was like basically seeing somebody's front door so seeing shit smeared all over the walls seeing seals had to get him out put him in a fucking cage where he's they physically able to watch him but a cage? The, the cage is like literally a cage in the middle of the fucking cell in the set. Oh, wow. Where they just throw you in the cage, you feel me? And it's locked. But while you're in the cage, you still in, in what's it called? 
handcuffed. You handcuffed up. Mm-hmm. The ankles, you know, you can't really move. Shackles. But yeah, you in shackles in the cage. Wow. So this, the prison I was in, they had inmates doing that shit, getting paid to clean up after them, mm-hmm. and getting paid to cook, get paid to wash everybody's clothes. You know what I mean? So seeing him do that shit, it it really took you know and told me telling me like, I can't come back here. You feel me? Because mm-hmm. it was just emotional enough watching people lose their fucking head like that. You know? Mm-hmm. And he was as young as I was. You know what I mean? And I can't remember his name, but there was times I used to like feel bad knowing too. He didn't have no family, you know what I mean? So him going to prison and being stuck in there with no, no family, right him, nothing, no females. He was just losing his fucking head in there, and it was very emotional, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And there were times I just used to somehow tell CO, like some CEOs I used to be cool with, like, hey, you mind um, sending these pack of cookies or something to, you know, room, da-da-da, mm-hmm. you know, because I know he wasn't eating, you know. That's how, too, I picked up a lot of, kind of like inner support in prison because I had a lot of money coming to me and at that point I already established enough reputation where nobody would fuck with me so there was people in there especially the white boys they they wasn't eating they would have no support and I was just going around like y'all hungry I used to make big ass folks and just feed the whole pod you feel me mm-hmm. just because I know how it is being in there people being hungry you only get three trays a day and small ass tray and portions of that. You know what I mean? Right, and it's grown ass men. Like, yeah, y'all need more. Five than o'clock that. is the latest you eat. Mm-hmm. You know, you gotta wait till five o'clock p.m. to like six, six in the morning the next day to get mm-hmm. a get something to eat, nothing to drink, or none of that. Unless no you had water. Money. Unless you had money. Whoa, what the fuck? So, I used to feel bad. I used to have my my commissary used to be stacked. I used to just go around just like. You hungry, you hungry, you, you know what I mean? And feeding as much people as I could, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And people just love me for that simple fact that I show love, you know what I mean? And it, it, it was just very emotional in there. Wow. What is the worst thing that you witnessed while you were in jail? This man getting beat with a um, property box. What's a property box? It's a box where we keep all our snacks and stuff. Mm-hmm. Is it like wooden or metal? No, it's plastic. It's plastic. Like real, real hard plastic. Mm-hmm. You know that plastic that they make like. Let's just say it's some really hard, hard plastic to the point where like you hit, like you slam that shit against the wall as hard as you can, it's not gonna break. Wow. He got beat with it for a good reason though. I mean. <laughs> you said for a good reason. Yeah, you go in there and you, you take. Eighty dollars worth of somebody's snacks that they just bought. You feel me? Eighty dollars—that's a lot of money. You feel me? But it's not a lot of snacks. A bag of chips costs a damn what? Fifty cents a dollar? Nah, not the ones I'm talking about. The big bag costs five dollars, and it's about that big. You feel me? Mm-hmm. So now he got beat. You feel me? I didn't stop it. Man, shit. Shouldn't touch that man's shit. You feel me? Mm-hmm. That was one of the worst things. The second worst thing was like this dude didn't want to come out his room. He had threatened the officer, so he called the SRPs. They gave him three warnings to come out. You feel me? He said no. So they went in. They broke his leg, arm, his nose. The guards? They fractured three of his ribs. Get the fuck out of here. Fractured his neck and gave him a concussion. So they just kept beating. They must have just kept beating yeah, his ass. Cause we, I mean, and I saw it because I went straight across from his room. First thing they did was go in there like, see, like, they have shields too, you feel me? So they shields like automatically like tasers. So they touch you with the shields gonna electrocution. 
I did not know that. So like they go in, he got on his, he got on some cover and something else like it's gonna stop it. You feel me? They hit him with the shield. You said a cover. Right. And I'm yelling at yo dumb ass like, like me being me. I'm just like you stupid as fuck, nigga. Like the fuck, like so. They go in and hit him with the damn shield. He 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 frees up. Dude named Cole Hill. He the biggest SRT in the in the whole facility. He's been the biggest one. Cole grab a dude. Cole pick him up and slam him. You can see everybody on top of him. Like, you hear him screaming. Then you don't hear no more screaming. You see him coming out. They picking him up by his jumpsuit. He just dangling like he's gone. Like, I'm thinking he dead. I'm like, y'all done killed this man. You feel me? What does SRT stand for? Safety, uh, safety resource team. Safety resource team. So that's not. Are they considered guards or is that separate? When they have to deal with people like that, they suit up. They look like a SWAT team. Like they have the helmets. They have the bean bag guns. Yeah, they got they got the mace guns too. Yeah, they got a gun that shoot paint. Like it's you know a paintball gun. It's a paintball gun, but it's got it's got mace balls in there. It's like paint instead of paintball, it's mace balls. So when they shoot, like whatever it hit, it just open and right, and it splat everywhere. Whoa! And like that was that was. Then the second, the third scary thing was, it was in the news, matter of fact, in Winston. It was this dude, he committed suicide. Mm. He was a rapist. And um, he jumped off the top balcony, hit it, landed, hit it. I think I heard about that. He landed head first. When he landed head first, you don't see nothing but blood splat everywhere. I'm in the trace slide. Blood didn't hit my face. It hit my window. But I see the nigga fall like, foul. He fell. I was like, sweet mother Mary. I like, bro, I caught a whole, bro, I caught a whole lot of headache myself. I was like, this nigga really just jumped. I would throw the fuck up. Well, see, I'm used to seeing dead people. So that's nothing. Throwing up. I, I threw up. I stopped throwing up back in 2014 after I seen my best friend get his head blown the fuck off in front of me, you feel me? And mm-hmm. really, his whole head was popped like a fucking pimple. Like, 12-gauge Mossberg pump mm. would do some fucking damage close range. Yeah, them damn bullets be like this. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? That's crazy as hell. So, seeing that in jail, I was just like, yeah, yeah. I can't come back here, you feel me? Right. If I do come back, I have to come back for a good reason, like somebody fucking with my mama, my sister, my girl, my grandma, you feel me? My, somebody that I call my family, you feel me? That's something that I gotta come back for. But come back for some niggas goddamn around with some niggas and shooting niggas and shit. I'm not coming back for no niggas and none of my niggas was there when I was locked the fuck up, you feel me? Mm-hmm. None of them. So, yeah, but being in jail is a scary thing sometimes. And sometimes it's not scary. I mean, it has, its, it has its pros and it has its cons. It has its ups and downs. Let's just say that. But I don't enjoy jail. I don't enjoy jail at all. Right, right, right. And a lot of people don't. I know um, I've had a conversation with you before about mass incarceration as a whole um, and how there's this book. Her name is Michelle Alexander. She's a scholar and she's also a lawyer in California. And so the book is called The New Jim Crow Mass Incarceration because, you know, the prison system is like slavery. That's what it is. It's just slavery, but in a new form. Exactly. Mm -hmm. 
And I think that that's, but I want both of y'all to definitely read it so you can see how systematic this is. But they prime you from the fucking third, third or fourth grade. They're looking at your test scores and they can tell how many prisons they need to build in a certain area by what your test scores are in the third and fourth grade. That's crazy. And so they, they basically prepare you for the prison system while you're in school. So like the bell ringings, the lunches, the, you got to raise your hand before you talk. They call it the school to prison pipeline. And Dr. Umar Johnson talks a lot about that, about how they prep these black boys. A lot of you guys get labeled. Like if you're thinking about a five or six year old boy, y'all wild as fuck. Y'all jump around, you know, you want to play all the time, run around and fuck with people. That's how kids are naturally. But when it comes to a little black boy, they oh, yeah, you got ADHD. You got ADD. Oh, he got upset. Bipolar disorder. They label you quick. And once they can get that label on you, that follows you for the rest of your life. And so a lot of people, especially when it comes to these black women who don't really have income like that coming in, they're struggling to make ends meet or... The man is not in the home to, you know, create both of those incomes. People are like, okay, well, I need that check. And they're telling them, okay, well, he has this. If he gets this medication and you allow him to be on this Adderall or Ritalin or whatever, then he'll get a check every month. That's so then, That's how me and my brother was receiving uh, disability, mm-hmm. social security. That's how we moved down here. And she was getting them checks from New York, which is up the cost of living. Mm-hmm. Instead, she took it move down here but that's the reason why when i had got locked up my mother my check was cut off because i was in the state now and they considered right. me state property mm. she wasn't able to keep paying the rent by herself with just my brother's check so she ended up moving back to new york mm. it's not like okay it's not 100% the man's fault, and it's not 100% the woman's fault. You think it's 50 50. But yeah, you do have some dead people, some dead beat fathers out here who don't want to be part of their child life, you feel me? But like, I know it's 9%, you know, I'd probably say 70, 75%, 70%. Men out here do want to be part of their child life, you feel me? Most women are so spiteful that they don't want their child to have nothing to do with their daddy because they're mad at the man, you feel me? So they don't let their child interact or be around their dead peers. So that causes that child to actually act out and think that they are the man of the house at a young age, you feel me? Mm-hmm. So then they think that they have to do this and do that to prove themselves. And that would make them go down the, the, the wrong road, you feel me? Like me, my dad was in my life, you feel me? He still is. My dad really never taught me anything, so me growing up, with my both of my parents living together, you feel me? And like I said, my dad never taught me nothing. So him not teaching me nothing, I always look forward to somebody teaching me something, you feel me? I always try to find out things on my own. Something that I'm really interested in, you feel me? And like, that took me down the wrong road because like, I used to be, I used to be fascinated with games. Like, I wanted to be a gamer so bad. And I finally got the opportunity to became one, you feel me? And seeing it was like, okay, I, I like it, you feel me? Mm-hmm. But when I was hanging in the streets, like, I was seeing all these kids at, like, 10, 11, 12, 13, you feel me, on the east side, east side of Winston, Trey, what it is, though, you feel me, hoes, 
holler at me. But um, I'm back. I had to give my shout out to my little neighborhood. But um, yeah, like growing up on the east side, I seen all these kids and like they, like I said, they 10, 11, 12, 13, you feel me? Skipping school, smoking weed, rocking red bandanas and shit. Mm. Nigga, you don't like claiming blood. Like, bro, you don't know nothing about this, bro. Like, you a child, you feel me? Why you not at home? Where your mama at? Like, where your dad at, you feel me? Their mama is probably at work. No, their mama is at home. Sitting mm. up fat ass on the couch, eating cereal and shit. Waiting on her kids to come home to get down and collect that check from the baby daddy on the first of the month. That's where they mama at. Mama don't give a fuck what they doing. The east side, take you to the east side of my city, like, that's the slum, sweetie. Mm-hmm. Like, it's in four killings on the same street on the east side. And that's the street that my grandma stay on, you feel me? Like, yeah. and all these people, I know. I know all these people. So like I said, like, it can't be blamed for like the men not being their their child life completely. You feel me? Like I said, it's like these parents, like the mothers, do the same shit. Mm-hmm. Like when they find out the baby daddy got another girlfriend, they didn't want their child around that girl, so they don't let their child go around their baby on their daddy. You feel me? Mm-hmm. So like I was locked up with a dude named Red. He can't see his daughter. He wants to see his daughter so bad. We're like, I had to actually beat his ass to make him shut up because he kept talking about it every day. See, but what's crazy about that, and I don't think a lot of people realize this, but when it comes to the system, it's designed for black families to be split up, split up, period. So when a woman applies for housing or she applies for any type of assistance, you cannot be there. If she applies for, okay, she wants to live in Section 8 housing, she wants to get food stamps, she wants to have Medicaid or whatever, the man cannot be in the home. And most of the time, they will require you to put that man on child support in order for you to get this service. So some of the women, they would still allow, you know, the father to see the children um, or like they would sneak and let him live there anyway. But if they find out that your child's father is in there, your husband's in there, like, yeah, you're going to get put the fuck out. So it's a it's a systematic thing. And so I don't think a lot of people realize that coming up, people weren't really educating their children on what was going on. Like your dad isn't here, not because I don't want him to be, but he can't be here in order for us to get this money. Like, and I need for, you know, my kids to be good. I need for y'all to eat. I need for us to have a roof over your head and we can't afford it. I think if more people were honest about what was really going on instead of just being like, oh, well, your daddy don't want to be here or whatever, then people would get it. But a lot of times, these kids don't know why the fuck their fathers aren't there. They're kids. But see, there's always ways around stuff like that. You feel me? Like you said, yeah, when a woman try to apply for stuff like that, they can't do it because the man is there. You feel me? But at the end of the day, the man, cause even though he got a felony, the man can still got to turn around and still supply for the household and, and make a living. You feel me? I'm going to keep it honest. Because my daddy, he's a felon. You feel me? This nigga stand at twenty to fifty thousand dollar house, like making good money. You feel me? Own a couple buildings and all that. And his his girl daddy. You feel me? He been through his situation. You feel me? Shit, he paying for her mama car payments and everything. You feel me? They living good, so it's like that's not an excuse. You feel me? It's no excuse that this can't happen because he's there. You feel me? Fuck that. 
like if that man really wanted to provide for his family and that lady wanted that really that lady and that man really wanted to provide for their family and have a family, just because Section Eight said no, you can't do this, don't mean you can't get get a house. You feel me? He can't stay there. All he gotta do is get him and get a job. You feel me? Right, but not everybody realizes that though. Some people enjoy. They feel like it's a it's a come up. To live that way. You get what I'm saying? Like, oh, yeah, I'm getting this off of government. But to be honest, it's a trap. The system is not designed for you to get ahead, which is why when that woman or that man goes to get a job and they live there, oh, yeah, we we about to raise that rent. We're going to charge you more for your water. Your water bill going to be $200 when the other month it was just 40 So people opt and be like, you know what? Fuck it. Why get a job when you're going to make my life harder? It's not designed for that. And a lot of people, especially when when you're talking about um, our lives now, like how we were coming up, family has always told us, like, keep the business in the house. You know, what goes on in this house stays in this house. We're going through traumas and we're coming up out of things that we've held on the inside. You get what I'm saying? Like, even for myself with, I was touched when I was younger by one of my, he wasn't even my real cousin. He was just at the house on Thanksgiving. And my mom was like, you know, I want to kick his ass. Like, somebody needs to say something. And my dad was like, oh, no, just just let it go. He doesn't have to come back, you know. But he didn't want to do anything about it. So that was my first encounter with my dad, like, where I felt like, He's supposed to protect me, but he didn't give a fuck. You get what I'm saying? He's more worried about keeping the peace within his side of the family than he is worried about protecting his daughter. You get what I'm saying? So growing up, that makes me be like, okay, well, I want a man that can protect me. I don't want to fuck with no bitch-ass niggas because I'm not going through that ever again. And in turn, I started dating people who it comes across as like they're protective and they're caring, but they were very violent as well. You get what I'm saying? So it's not just, yeah, I got your back. I'll protect you. You might knock my fucking head off, too. Or if you feel like I'm talking to this man, you want to be controlling and and things like that. So it spirals. And this is coming from somebody like my dad was in the Marine Corps. He was there. You know, he had a really good job. Um, my mom worked, but she didn't have to. You get what I'm saying? So everybody's going through something within their family. And I feel like when you had other people have gone through worse situations where their actual father who was in the home or their stepdad raped them. You get what I'm saying? So, of course, you looking at this woman who don't want this female around her baby or don't want this guy that don't want this man around his daughter. Like, you don't know what happened to that man when he was younger. People are coming through shit where they are like, I don't want my baby to have to go through that. Sometimes it's not even about just being spiteful. There's women that get touched by other women in their family. You get what I'm saying? So naturally, like, your baby girl, you're going to protect her at all costs. You get what I'm saying? It's just, I don't even understand to begin through what <laughs> I've been through growing up. Like, I was in foster care. Me and my little brother, I was taken away when I was two. Bishop noticed the story. I told him. And my little brother was taken away when he was one. We was both taken away at the same time from, I don't know why, the foster care agencies in New York is way different down here. Mm-hmm. Like, in New York, they will take you away, and you will never see none of your family for years and years until they start wanting to let your mom or whoever they took you away from come see you, like, once a week for, like, an hour visit. Mm-hmm. And you have to travel, travel to, like, 
this rich white neighborhood somewhere where you could finally see your child for like an hour and then they start granting you meditation and and it was horrible it's not even to begin to what i was going through while i was in there you know people didn't give a shit about me or my brother didn't care if he was eating as long as we looked good in front of the people who's paying them Mm -hmm. that's all they cared about so you could basically do whatever you wanted to do i was raped and me and my brother well not by a guy but the lady who they granted us you know foster to this, this this is why it don't make no fucking sense. They take me and my brother away from my mom who's living in the projects and put us back in the projects with somebody who definitely don't give a fuck about us. They and me have no own room. We sleep on the fucking living room for years and years and years sharing the same fucking bed. It wasn't even a bed. It was like a fucking futon they just pull out at night. Mm-hmm. So it was like she was beating the shit out of me and my little brother. For no reason? petty shit she would just get pissed off like she was having traffic she was one of them drug dealers like not even a drug dealer she was on fucking heroin and they wouldn't even fucking know it Mm. so for years and years she was beating me and my brother she had male traffic coming through where she was just she was she was never stable one the same day you have two different guys in the bed, you feel me? Mm-hmm. And just on some crazy shit, you know? And they didn't give a shit at all. Even when we was young and trying to tell them, they used to, they used to have a fucking psychiatrist, psychiatrist come through and talk to my little brother and me. And we used to tell them, like, we we not happy here. We not safe here. And they would write it down in their book. And so she wrote. Like, what the fuck was the reason taking us away? You know what I mean? That shit was just crazy. Crazy wow. hell. And why were you actually removed from the home? Nah, that's a fucking crazy story. At the time, my grandma and my mother wasn't getting along. So, you know, I guess they was young, still running the streets or whatever. And it came to that time where my mom was fucking some dude. And he was supposed to be, like, one of the biggest drug dealers in New York. Mm -hmm. And just to fast forward, my grandma was jealous of my mom. You know, he was... Living a different life. She, he was splurging on my mom, where she was very jealous. And she got really jealous. And just one day, she just called and say that this dude was a drug dealer. And what made it worse, he was really... He was already under surveillance from the FBI. Mm -hmm. And... When they got that call, it was a witness. Next thing you know, they kicked the door down and took me and my little brother. And my mom couldn't, she couldn't do shit. They came in with the whole SWAT team, locked him up. And the crazy thing is, he was he was, he was from Trinidad. He didn't have no passport here. So he automatically got shit back to his country. Wow. But it's funny because down the road, that wasn't even my dad. <laughs> I just found out like a couple of years ago that he's not my father. <laughs> so it was your whole life you thought that that was your dad? The whole life I thought my foster mom was my mom until I finally got old enough to realize what was going on with these visits. That makes sense? Mm-hmm. Realizing what the fuck is who's my mom. My mom used to get mad as shit. I used to be like, mom, mom, come here. 
I'm always like, stop doing that shit. I sent your fucking mother. Cut that shit out. You feel me? I'm like, what the fuck going on? So your biological mother used to say, that's not your... Mm-hmm. Like, she used to, she used to can't stand it because she figured something was odd with her. Mm. But she never really, she wasn't able to really know about her in her home. She never visited us at the home. Mm-hmm. She never knew how we was living. We was too young to talk. When we finally got custody of, when she finally got custody of us, my grandma was the one who got custody first. How old were y'all? When she got custody of us? I think I was 11. Oh, my shit. My brother was 12. No, my brother was, was 10. So my, y'all lived with the woman who was on heroin for like nine years mm-hmm. before. Wow. Until it, it, it was a slow process. It's like trying to fight the court systems. Right. Trying to show them that you're eligible to, you know, provide a home for your kids. You know, so it was very tough. And my mom fighting the courts. But in New York nowadays, a lot of mothers don't even, like, they give up after the first two, three years. And most kids in New York who's in a foster home agency don't even know their moms or nothing like that. Mm-hmm. So it takes a real woman in, in my my eyes to really sit there and fight the court system for that that amount of time. And she wasn't even able to get full custody of us, like I said, because we was granted to my grandma. But at that point, my grandma and mom finally was able to come back together. And you know what I mean? Right, right. And sort of mediate with each other. So... Your home wasn't necessarily broken, but you were in the foster care system. So, Bishop, hearing that, knowing that, okay, you did have both of your parents, but somehow the way the system is set up, you guys ended up in some similar situations when it comes to a life of crime. Like, you guys ended up crossing paths some way. So, what do you guys think is the reason for that? From your observation, not even looking at what research says and what what books are saying. I guess we came together because we shared and we realized we shared similar paths. We both have a same or a similar mindset and trying to progress in this world as today. Um, we we have the same goals in life as far as like music wise. We can meet eye to eye in certain situations. Um. We don't. We haven't chilled long, long enough to really know thoroughly mm. each other's, you know, past lives. Like, I feel it's similar because, shit, we we've been through ups and downs, you know. But um, most part, I can go through research and books, but you know, it's it's, it's very tough these days to really pinpoint certain shit. Right, right, right. Because to be honest with you, first off, the the system is set up against you. So I will go ahead and and acknowledge that from my perspective as a woman. I understand that y'all do come, you know, through a lot and that there are people who really not just don't want to see you succeed, but they're adamant about making sure that you don't. So that's why I'm like, I feel like it's, it's my role as an observer to really show people like, okay, well, you know that something's not right. You feel that something's not right, but you may not know exactly what it is. And that's why I'm always like, education is best. Um, I really hate this saying, but I always hear, if you want to hide something from a black person, put it in a book. 
the first thing when I recommend a book to somebody, they go, oh, I don't really want to read that, you know. Um, is there a way that you could play like an audio book or da 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 da? And it's like, nah, I open books it. Prisons that I can show you, like, of my life. Mm-hmm. One book I wrote that I haven't shown shared with anybody is after this foster care thing happened, somehow my mom was able to finesse the system and win a lawsuit for me and my brother. But it sounds positive, but it's really negative because. When this lawsuit happened, now it really broke our family apart. You know, they say money is the root of all evil, you know what I mean? The love of money. Mm-hmm. So, now my grandma, she's... Jealous again? Jealous, you know? That's why I really... I could go back to New York and be with my family. But now I feel like all they see of me is just money. My grandpa, every time I get paid, he's like, Oh, did, did, did Anthony break you off something? Or... You know, like, what the fuck? Like, it's crazy. I overheard my grandpa one night talking some bullshit, talking about, oh, make sure when he get this money at this time, you know, see if he could break it off here and me and you could go in business or something. You know, like, what the fuck? Like, I'm I'm your son. Why the fuck you talking like this? You feel me? Mm-hmm. Like, it shouldn't even be about fucking money. Like, Y'all wasn't y'all was away from me for a long time. I'm just now meeting y'all. Right, and you have to get to know them all over. Like you don't know who the fuck they are. And it's even worse because my grandpa he's a he's a crackhead and he's mm. been a crackhead since I've met him. And the last time I went to New York, his condition is just getting very very worse because he has HIV. And since not seeing my grandpa and. X amount of years again after being in prison and mm. not being able to go to New York like that. I feel really bad watching him tear himself down, you know what I mean? And there's times I try to talk to him like, Grandpa, you got to stop this shit, you know what I mean? Or there's times when I try to bring the family together and nobody wants to really, I don't know what the fuck it is. It's probably things I still don't know yet of my family. Of course. Why they don't want to work as a family. Like, my family is very, like, and this times too, like sometimes I tell Bishop, like how much I tell you, like I love seeing you with your mom. You feel me? That bond and interaction, you know what I mean? Yeah, they silly as hell. I love. I would love to sit down and just hug my moms and just do do a, a mother and son thing. You know what I mean? Like, you know, there's times when I was young and forced to get going to school. I used to cry sometimes when I went home. I used to see people walking down the block with their dad holding their hands, and I'd be like, damn, like. I wish I had a dad to do that shit, you feel me? Mm-hmm. Like, it'd be shit like that. It'd be still irking me, you know? Mm-hmm. Wow. And, Bishop, when you talk to your... Well, have you ever talked to your father about how you felt that he wasn't really teaching you anything, even though he was present? Like, do you ever tell them that you feel like he could have done more? No. I feel like it's no point. Why is that? Because if you know you haven't really taught your child something, your child shouldn't have to have show your child shouldn't have to go back and and tell you, you feel me, or enlighten you about that. You feel me? So I feel like there's no point in me going to my dad and like, your dad, this is the third, you didn't do this and that's how I feel, you feel me? Like, no. I mean, it shows where he didn't teach, you feel me? But at the end of the day, like I said, 
that's where I picked up the piece and put them together. But no, I ain't never talked to my daddy about it. Would you ever? Probably not. I can really care less about it. I mean, that's the past. I don't dwell on the past. You feel me? Mm-hmm. Like I said, at this point, it kind of was too milk. You can't teach me nothing now. I'm too damn grown. I don't like everything. So there's no point. But how do you think that's going to shape your relationship with your future children? Like, what what does it make you want to do as a father differently than your dad did? Well, first of all, I'm not going to be controlling. Second of all, I'm going to be understanding. And how I feel about my future, like, my future with my kids. So, like, I had a, I had a daughter. My daughter died, you feel me? How old was she? One. I'm sorry to hear that. But she died, so it's like, I always wanted a family, so I mean, the things that my dad didn't do with me, I'm gonna do with my kids, as far as like, going to get ice cream, you know, going to the park, having movie day, whatever, you feel me, shit like that. That's what I'm gonna be on. I mean, fuck all that, going out. Like, I wasn't about to be real with you, like, <laughs> I've been trying to goddamn find somebody who got kids who need a baby daddy. Mm-hmm. I've been doing a little thought. But, like, uh, it ain't gonna, it, I don't think it's gonna hinder my relationship with my kids in the future. Mm-hmm. Because I know what to do and what not to do. I know how to treat my kids and, you feel me, like, how to get them respect. Treat them like, like, treat them like a human. Let them know, I mean, it's okay, you feel me, to come and talk to me. Like, and really talk to me and don't worry about getting cussed out. See, my daddy always tell me, you can tell me anything. And when you tell him someone try to talk to him, you get cussed out, mm. call names, shit like that. So you felt, like, rejected by him in a way? See, at one point, my dad was telling me my mom wasn't his. Same way I went up, same with my sisters. He would say that, like, in front of you? Yeah, he had before. But he always joked that he had a white family, which came out to be true. The kids might not be his, but I mean, it's his girlfriend's kids. So his, he had a second family with a white woman? Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. His homeboy's wife. What? It was his homeboy's wife. One of his customers. He would have come up to the house, chill, smoke, whatever you feel. It was his wife. Once they got divorced, they got divorced because of my daddy. Mm-hmm. She kept cheating. Once they got divorced, he was over there full time all day. Every time he get off work on the weekends, he over there. I mean, I knew he was cheating. I admit he was cheating. Because I never met none of his friends named Paco. Mm-hmm. Never met Paco, you feel me? Couldn't never meet Paco. And then I got into a big ass fight in the middle of the street in front of the house. We called him. We pulled up in like three minutes. Then one night he went out with Paco, and he was gone for like he left for like seven that night. He didn't come back to like four or five o'clock. Again, four or five o'clock that morning, my mom had called and said, "Where the fuck you at? Stay there." This and the third. Mm-hmm. He pulled up in like five ten minutes. So we knew he was close, and he had smelled like fresh soap. So I already knew that he was cheating before then. You feel me? How old were you then? 19, 20? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I already, I already knew, you 
somewhere, right? I mean, was I sweating it? No. I mean, I was ready for whatever had came. You feel me? Like, push come to shove, I was ready. But I didn't know what was up. So that's why, I, that's, why I really, that's why it really didn't affect me like when it happened. My parents got a divorce. It you just, weren't surprised. Not was surprised it was the divorce. It just, I mean, it hurt. Don't get me wrong. It took me to a whole nother mindset and a whole nother world. You feel me? Mm-hmm. But, like, I knew it was coming. Because, I mean, they wasn't happy. Mm-hmm. You know, they had started talking about the wedding pictures, they wedding pictures. Like, every time they look at him, like, I was drunk right there. I don't know what the fuck I was thinking. I was stupid as fuck when I did that shit. Damn. Wow. You feel me? Shit like that. Like. Now, how did that make you feel? Like watching your mom go through that and experiencing the emotions that she was experiencing. It made me feel angry. It made me hate a lot of people. Like, I hated, I hated guys, and I still hate guys to this day. Mm-hmm. That do cheat on like their family with another girl that don't have shit going. Right. Like, and I hate women to do the same thing. But I hate women. Who lies? You feel me? Mm-hmm. Who lie a lot? I hate when that lead niggas on, making niggas feel like they got something. I hate that. Mm-hmm. Like that will put me, that will put you on my bad side. Like once you do that, and you lie to me, and lead me a brother on. Like once you lead me on and lie to me about something, you my enemy. You feel me? I don't have no type of self-respect for you. I don't have no respect for you. I don't have no remorse, no nothing. Like, you can be on fire and you need a bucket of water. I will pour that bucket of water out right beside you. You feel me? Like, you can be thirsty as shit. You can be in the Sahara Desert. Thirsty as hell. Lips dried in a bitch. You feel me? Drinking my water. Like, once you lie to me, it's no coming back. Mm-hmm. So like I always had hatred for people who who portray their spouse. Even if y'all don't have a family, even if y'all just boyfriend and girlfriend, you feel me? You lie like I can't fuck with you. Like I don't I don't fuck with people like that. Right. I can even say for myself, um, experiences that I had with my family and we're about to wrap up. I didn't even realize we were over this hour, but this was really good, you guys. Um, It made me a lot less forgiving. And so I used to be the type to cut people off like that, like with friendships. Um, I just didn't know how to handle being hurt by a person, you know, or even learning like to set expectations. Like you really do have to teach people how to treat you. You get what I'm saying? Like people don't know. We all are different people. You may like to be treated a certain way, but that's different than how somebody else wants to be treated. So it's like you can't expect that individual to know that, especially if you've never had that conversation. Um, it's just like with some men who are like, you know, I do I do this and that for my lady. Like I rub her feet. I make her breakfast in the morning. I warm up her car in the morning. But what if she likes her car cold? What if she hates eating breakfast because it makes her stomach hurt throughout the day? What if she needs something lighter? You get what I'm saying? What if she doesn't like her feet rubbed because her big toe is always sore every day? You get what I'm saying? Like, that's something that you would like, but every woman is different. So I feel like 
when it came to me having relationships with people, I realized I'm going to be alone forever if I don't learn how to forgive. Or if I don't teach people, if I set the expectation in the beginning, like, I need you to treat me like this. This is what I like. This is what I don't like. And then you continuously display that you don't give a fuck about what my expectations are. That's when I can stop fucking with you because I know I've put it out there. But if you've never had that conversation with an individual about what your expectations are of them, they have no way of knowing. A lot of us don't know like how to be loved. We don't know how to accept love. We don't know how to love others. So you may think that that person is being malicious, you know, by whatever they're doing or saying, but they could be like, you know what? I had this ex-boyfriend who told me to be honest. You know, he told me to just be real with him. He wouldn't get mad. And then I told him the truth and he beat my ass. So you think she going to go through that again? Nah, the next man she fuck with. Nah, he didn't. He didn't try to get my number. He ain't say nothing to me. Because they don't want to go through that. People are coming through traumas. So I'm starting to realize, yeah, I done been through a lot of fucked up shit. I done been hurt a lot, you know, with family, with friends. But other people have too. All of us have been through trauma. It may look different, but all of us are fucked up in some kind of way. We coming through a, a healing process. Yeah, see, this where y'all both come in before each other, you feel me? Like, you don't give up on nobody, you feel me? Like, yeah. You dealing with somebody, but I'm keeping high. I was dealing with a female about a month ago. She cut me off for some bullshit. And I was like, damn, what was that for? You feel me? And she was just like on some, like, I'm not her type type shit. And I was just like, like I told her. So you can cut a nigga out because he's not your type, you feel me? You can cut a nigga because he, he don't have what you need. You can cut a nigga because he can provide for you, you feel me? You don't you do not do that. How the fuck you expect to be with somebody and you doing that shit, you feel me? You build. It's like build a bitch. Like it's like build a nigga. You build your nigga the way that you want, like your nigga gonna build you like how he want it, you feel me? Like it's a, it's a, it's a team. It's not an I, you feel me? It's not a me, it's a we, you feel me? But you gotta think, it's a lot of... Women been doing that shit. No. Women been... Yeah, no. they have. No, women see. have been doing... Because I've been through something like that. No, but it's not really about, like... You can't be expecting somebody to... It's like, what What reason would I have to do that? You have to be invested in some kind of way. Now, if I meet, meet a man... And we, we friends, we cool... We have that foundation of a friendship first... That's different because I know you... I would have the knowledge to know whether you're trying or whether you're not. But if you telling me this random man, you want me to, for what? People no. have done that before and they wasted their time or that man got on his feet and left her. Like I said, people are coming through traumas. So you cannot expect anybody to do that. You have to have something that is going to be of an asset to that individual. Not necessarily, because I'm going to say right now, I'm saying a couple people. Like I said, I'm from, I'm, I'm from a hood, you feel me? I done seen people come from, from, from shit to sugar, you feel me? Like, I done seen a man who had nothing. A man who just got out of prison the same day, you feel me? He knows two days after he got out of prison, he met a girl. Then they had shit. She turned around and built this man, you feel me? When I say built this man, he didn't have no money, no clothes, no nothing. Now this man got two car washes. He owned three, he owned three Jaguars. Two, no, two, three houses, you feel me? And he didn't have nothing. 
So you don't, you can't sit and say, yeah, they gotta have some type of asset for this person or whatever. So when I say asset, it doesn't have to be physical. It's more so like, okay, loyalty. If she's here with you and she's supporting you while you down and you fucked up and she's trying to build with you, are you going to be loyal to her? Are you going to be cheating? Do she got to worry about you staring at other women yeah, while y'all the in the grocery is, store together? That's, that's the thing that you should ask the woman. But I'm going to keep it high. Yeah, he don't have shit. You feel me? So she going to be looking at other niggas who got shit. For what? Because if that's the case, why would she fuck with you? You get what I'm like? She doesn't have to be there. That's what I'm doing. That's where it, that's where it goes about the leading people on. You feel me? Like so you think that it's women out here that lead a man that don't got shit? He don't mm-hmm. got shit. Cause I don't. That happened to me twice. I'm gonna be real. It they leading, yeah. leading you on, yeah, but don't want you. It happened to me twice. I'm gonna keep for the attention. Some females. They do that. That shit happened to me twice this year. This mm-hmm. year, you feel me? Like it happened to me. Like it, that. That happens. Women. Yeah, they 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 like you for what you how you look. You feel me? But like I said, I stay with my mama. I just got out, you feel me? I'm at rock bottom, you feel me? She, y'all understand what you're going through. I'm not the type of person that's in the third bed. Made her fall out. You don't have a bed. You don't have a car. You were this in the third. You feel she me? did that? No, she said that to you? Yeah, you feel me? And then Whoa. the second one, she just cut me off. Like I said, she just cut me off behind bullshit. Led me on. Thinking that we was something that we were, gonna, that we were supposed to be something that we wasn't going to be, you feel me? Like, don't still haven't even got a good explanation of why she cut me off. Feel me? Let me on. Like, women does that. Men do that, you feel me? Right. Men do it more to just to use the women. Women do that just to goddamn get over somebody that they was dealing with. Mm-hmm. You feel me? Or women just do it just to be fucking spiteful, you feel me? But women, they are good for that. Like I said, like, I don't have shit. And this is why I hate women who play games, you feel me? They leave motherfuckers on, make motherfuckers feel like they just in the third and they got somebody got a support group and got a girl. But really deep down, they don't have shit. Have you looked at what qualities these women have? Because everybody has red flags. So for me, I can't date a violent man. Like, I've been through... You know, I done been through a lot of shit. So I just be like, if I see certain qualities in men, like, who are too possessive, or if they talk about, you know, like, yeah, I'm I'm jealous or things like I don't like shit like that because I've been through, like, being stalked several times. I've been stalked by motherfuckers I didn't even know. Like, never been in a relationship with. I'm talking about people who meet you and they just get infatuated with you. And I'm like, whoa. And I don't have no protection now. I'm not married. You get what I'm saying? So that's difficult to deal with. So when I see certain triggers like that, uh, I'm going to be like, nah. You get what I'm saying? Like, it's scary. So I don't. I think that how they handle the situation, that's definitely fucked up. Because I'm not about to bash any man, especially a black man, for what his situation is. Because I understand that it's systematic. You get what I'm saying? Like, this shit is by design. It's not an accident what y'all are going through. It's really not. And that's why I want you, you know, to read not just that book by Michelle Alexander, but any literature regarding the plight of the black man, period. I want to cut in. Mm-hmm. I want to hear something so weird in prison. You know that 
there's a book limit you can have. Like, self-help books, depending on who's the author, is not allowed in prison. For example, you ever heard of 50 Law of Power? Mm-hmm. Or the 49 Law of the Power? The 48 Laws of Power. Or any books that's related to you waking up or waking up your mindset to understand modern slavery, for example. Mm-hmm. It's not allowed in prison. Wow. If, you've, if they find it's considered contraband and you may be able to go to SEG. Contraband for a book. Mm-hmm. Get the fuck out of here. See, and this is stuff like... Well, we see, okay, so I'll tell you a little bit about our databases. I'm not sure if you've ever seen this, but, like, for college, they have these different things like um, the psychology, the psychology journals. They have, like, EBSCOhost, but they're databases where you can look up different research studies. There's a huge gap. Like, there needs to be more research done on black men and mental health, but there's a huge gap. Like, they don't give a fuck about what y'all are going through. And so they don't, y'all aren't the typical subjects for their research. Right now, black women are the highest educated group. And what they're trying to do is let's allow this black woman to have more power. Let's give her a higher position in our company. Let's make her better. Let's give her the money because then she's not going to see value in her man and she's going to feel like she doesn't need him. Exactly. So, how can we build black communities without black families? You want to hear something weird? Don't you think that kind of goes back to slavery when yes. a black woman would be led inside a house and was able to work in the house? Mm-hmm. When a guy needed something to eat, he would tell her. She would go in there and grab some food, mm-hmm. sneak it back out. Or even, you know, like, black men were raped. They would rape this black man, like, this cracker-ass, nasty-ass, faggot-ass man would fuck this black man in his ass in front of his wife and his kids. Emasculate him. And so it breaks him down mentally. It breaks the kids down. So now she's teaching her son to be feminine. She's teaching him like, nah, you need to conform. Conform. Don't don't go against the grain. Conform so you can survive this. And then she's teaching her daughter, all right, you got to be strong. You're a woman. You got to be strong. So then you got these masculine women and you have these feminine men. And they can't, that can't coexist. You get what I'm saying? The gender roles are changing. But it's fucked up. We we coming through a lot. But I'm going to let them go. So thank you, Aunt Love. And thank you, Bishop, for agreeing to be here. I really do appreciate you. Um, this is just the tip of the fucking iceberg. Like, we haven't even covered all the know, stuff that I we know. could potentially talk about. I but I definitely appreciate you. And to all who are listening, thank you for tuning in to another episode of Hanging Out with Love. If you have not already signed up for the Men's Empowerment Conference, it will be.